Thanks for listening to this edition of the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. Here we examine what enables true creativity, how to convert ideas into innovation, and seek out what ignites enterprise-wide growth. I'm your host, entrepreneur, strategist, and muser of metacognition, David Peterson. Hey, well, greetings and welcome to the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. You know, I uh, I was looking through the news and I just couldn't help but make sure that this item got included in the IDG podcast. So uh, you may not have seen this story. This was uh, this was maybe from back in July, but a Tesla engineer, Tesla, you know, like the amazing electric car company, Tesla, this engineer from Tesla named Remy Labesque. He's based in Los Angeles. He's working for Tesla, but apparently he has like a real affection for chocolate chip cookies, but he just wasn't satisfied with the way that, um, (laughs) with the way that the chocolate chips that he could get to make his chocolate chip cookies would basically bake or, or even, you know, taste as a part of that. So he, Hey, he's a Tesla engineer, right? So what he did is he, what do engineers do? He studied the little drops of chips that come in bag. And sometimes you get like chunks or squares. Sometimes you get discs. And he did all this study and he's like, you know what? I I can do better. I I can improve the chocolate chip. So he's created what he calls his chocolate chip 2.0. And, uh, and so he, he has, you can go find this story in the show notes. And, uh, I got some pictures in here as well, but basically it, it's like a flattened pyramid type structure. It looks very odd. It, you know, you look at it and go, well, it's not a chocolate chip. It's got tapered edges. And I mean, it's very um, incredibly crafted looking uh, chocolate chip with a, get this, 15 degree slope. And so when, when you add those into your uh, cookie baking mix, it's like, he says, they come out just with this beautiful, glossy finish. And so, you know, you think about this, it's like, well, why is this engineer doing this? And, and get this, it's not like he just like on the side, you know, in a, a few weeks came up with a chip. This was, this project took years. They did 3D renderings of, of different shapes. They had to do test prints of molds and untold number of baking tests to, you know, to get to the point where they had the, the winner, the, the right thing. And so they were trying to, to really kind of bring out the complex cacao, you know, bean essence, that whole chocolatey essence. And so you get more of this chocolatey buttercream frosting and a hint of banana in there. So, you know, the, the, you know, they even looked at how much chocolate would be in your mouth at one time that would give you the optimal experience and so forth. So they do all of this to carefully temper the chocolate and, you know, you know, cool it and heat it and, you know, do all of this to get to the perfect chocolate chip weight, which here's information that you didn't have before this minute, 4.05 grams, according to these engineers, is how much each of those chocolate chips should weigh. So, so, hey, you know what? You, you may be working at a job. You may be an engineer. You may be a physician. You know, you may be a sales rep. You know, who, who knows what occupation you are as you listen to this podcast. But you might have an idea. You might have a passion, a passion for baking or a passion for sailing or, you know, uh, some kind of a sport or whatever. 
I remember a really, really good friend of mine from years back. He was a professional salesman. He was very, very good at it, extremely good at it. But he was also an avid sailor. And for this particular type of sailboat, which was used in racing, it was a tiller. It was basically, you know, a boat with a tiller instead of a wheel, a big, long stick. And you, you know, if you push the, the tiller to the left, the boat would go to the right and so forth. Uh, and he came up with a, a, an extension, a, a wing for how that would better sail, that he could, that he could increase and, and improve the sailing of that and, um, and wound up basically inventing something that a lot of people use now in, uh, in, in that type, in that class of boat in, in uh, sailing. So, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your occupation is. What matters is how much you're really thinking about things that are around you, particularly things that interest you, and then looking to find ways that you can make improvements. And again, maybe it's maybe it's not something that would become a, a new version of a chocolate chip that perhaps thousands or millions of people will buy. Or, or maybe it's not something that is only for a particular class of things like the sailing invention. Maybe it's something that only improves your life. Maybe it only makes what you do and how you do it, whether it's work, play, family, better. And that's worth doing. So I think a lot of people don't don't seek out innovation. They, they might even have an idea and they sort of kind of poo-poo their own ability to, you know, to do something about it. And, and it's, oh, well, eh, I'll leave that for somebody else. So, you know, as these ideas come, as I've told you before, you got to capture them, you got to write them down. But then, but then there's a time for action. And, and, you know, it may be that you, you start working on an idea and, and it's not feasible. You might, you might try, you know, some things. I don't know if you'll go for the thousand plus times that Edison worked on light bulbs and, and failed. But don't get immediately frustrated because your first couple of, of uh, attempts uh, don't work. If you're going to go for something, you know, give it some effort. But then it's at a certain point you may decide that it's no longer worth uh, pursuing. Now, you can apply this same concept of looking for improvements uh, in your work life. And, and ultimately, what I'm trying to do with innovation-driven growth is I'm trying to help companies understand that every single individual in the organization needs to be innovating. Everyone. The board, from the CEO uh, down to whatever the most entry-level position is in the company, should constantly be looking for innovation. And that just is not the case. And I was sharing this with some people just the other day that, you know, I think, you know, in most companies, probably less than 15%, maybe even closer to 10% of the company really have any kind of attitude towards innovation. The vast majority of the rest, you know, 85, 90% of the company, conversely, don't feel that innovation is their job. That's not, it's not my job. It's not, it's not what I do. And don't even try and, and are not even really looking for or open to ideas that might be innovative. Further, even if one of those people does have an idea, say a mid-level accounting clerk, um, it's very difficult for them to get their idea heard. You know, if they were to have an idea, let, let's take the example of a Tesla engineer, you know, and he decides to go make chocolate chips, right? He's sort of like, uh, okay, well, what if it was a mid-level accounting person who had an idea for how to improve that really amazing battery that drives Tesla. You could see where there might be some skepticism from the engineers about this clerk who says they have this idea. So so I get it that a lot of times it's very difficult to get your ideas 
in the mainstream or, or at least uh, reasonably heard. And so in a, in a future podcast, I'm going to actually talk specifically about when you have ideas, how you get those ideas heard. How do you get people to take you seriously about ideas and in some sort of continuing things like you throw up an idea and you, they throw it right back in your face. So you can basically quit at that point and, and move along or you can try other avenues. So I, I want to lay out in a future podcast a very definitive process for thinking about ideas in, in terms of getting them heard, getting them, you know, reasonably looked at. Now, if you have a company that is actively working towards innovation, then kudos for you. You work for a great, a great company. Um, right now, I'm occasionally working with member driven technologies uh, up in Michigan, and they have an ongoing initiative for innovation challenges that allows for cross functional teams to be created. And they're coming up with ideas and they're doing they're making a big deal about it. They have a huge trophy for each of the teams that uh, that grades out with the best idea for each one of the twice a year that they do these challenges. It It is making a difference in their company. They're excited about it. And more importantly, they're not just once and done. Uh, I've worked with some companies that, you know, they say they want to do this, but they're not serious about it. And all the employees know they're not serious about it. So they don't get serious about it. MDT's leadership is serious about this and and they're continuing it. And I see, I see the efforts of their folks together uh, collaborating and coming up with ideas. And the ideas that they're coming up with are good ones, but they're not necessarily earth shattering. It's not, again, it's not like, Oh, this is a million dollar idea. And and more to the point, they're not trying to create million dollar ideas. They're trying to do small innovations that make a difference either in the in the efficacy of the workplace, especially now with all this virtual training they you know, they, they have a lot of people working remote, as as do uh, most all companies. So how do we make that process more efficient? And then, of course, their customers who, who they call members. How do we make that member experience better? And so all of these ideas, you know, are percolating. And, and again, I've said this on the podcast before. If you if you try to go for big ideas, you might be frustrated. But if you if you go after small ideas, you can find wins and even small wins will will move the needle on gross margin. So look for small wins, find small innovations. And then that makes it even more likely that somebody who is a mid-level accounting person could come up with an idea. You know, maybe maybe they don't know how to improve the battery life (laughs) of the the Tesla, but maybe they come up with an idea that there's this six step process that uh, deals with their accounting uh, function that can be reduced to four steps. and, And that saves five minutes or 10 minutes, but it's done over and over and over and over again every day by multiple employees across a whole year. And now all of a sudden it starts to really make a difference. So how do we encourage, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a senior leader, how are you encouraging, what are you doing to make it known to all of your downstream reports, everybody that you supervise, that you're encouraging, that you want them to be thinking about innovation? And again, you, you could say, well, I'm not, you know, I don't know that I'm actually making that a specific thing. And okay, uh, why not? why not make it a specific thing so that you now have those folks knowing that you as the senior leader over this area, and I don't care if you're the manager of three people or if you're the CEO over thousands, they need to know from you that innovation is a thing. Innovation is something that should be encouraged and and set up some kind of system that not only just says, please do innovation, but actually creates a structure for innovation to actually happen. 
So step one is, what encouragement are you giving for innovation? So that mid-level clerk who might have an idea that really moves the gross margin needle knows that he or she should be should be thinking about that, looking for it, uh, being open to it. But there's a, there's a part two to it. Distinctly separate from encouraging it, what are you doing to not discourage it? Think about the things, perhaps even unintentional, that are rules of your company, uh, you know, just sort of general attitudes about how different parts of the company are, are treated, how they're uh, talked to, thought about. What are you doing to make sure that there's nothing that's blocking innovation, that if somebody really wanted to innovate, even if they weren't being encouraged by their supervisor, and then they, they try to do something that's, that's innovative or coming up with a, with a creative idea and then are, are, are basically shut down, slam back. Uh, hey, you're, you're just a mid-level accounting clerk. Go, go get back in your cube and, and, and punch some numbers. And it's very demoralizing, right? So this whole concept of companies that in many cases inadvertently give the signal out, you have a job. Your job consists of these processes and procedures uh, that we've laid out for you. Shut up. Sit down. Do your job. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm painting in a very stark picture, but I've been a part of, of companies where, where things like that happen. And supervisors, again, in, in some cases, maybe on purpose, but in other cases, maybe just inadvertently send the signal to people that if you're spending time doing innovation, then you're not spending time doing one of those processes and procedures. And overall, you're you're hurting. You're hurting our, our 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 company. You're you're making our gross margin less because you're because you're not doing your job. And it's this this one concept of time that's allowed to be spent on innovation. MDT uh, up in Michigan. I just talked about them. They get it. They're willing to allow people to spend the time. And what they found is is oh my gosh, people are starting to learn presentation skills that never had to make presentations because they have to form a cross functional team. People from different parts of the company are coming together working together on these ideas. So they're they're getting that kind of team engagement, team building, collaboration. HR professionals all over the United States are trying to figure out how do we keep people engaged, you know, now that we've worked uh, or moved to mostly a, a virtual workforce, you know, and, and, and I'm sitting here and I, I, I'm a, I belong to SHRM, which is a, a huge HR uh, services a company and and I see all these HR professionals and they're they're posting on there hey we've got to have some way of of getting you know team building going and I'm I'm sitting here thinking oh my gosh if they if they just if they just knew that instead of you know some exercise or doing a virtual coffee or even having some you know public speaker with an amazing message come those things are fleeting moments a moment in time when people feel good that they've come together, whatever, and then maybe 30 minutes later or a day later, nothing has really changed for them. And I look at what MDT is doing and I see the changes that are happening in that company and I see attitudes and behaviors towards innovation changing. And I see the company rewarding those people who are actively in innovation. And uh, when I talk to the HR manager there, it is really now a part of their HR culture to do these innovation challenges because it serves all of, not all, but a much of the other team building, esprit de corps, collaboration, all of these other things that are so important now for an HR manager to to try and, and do some things to, to kind of bring the company together in a time when a lot of people are just working from home. And I see this innovation challenge stuff, and it's having all of those effects. 
but it does something else. Unlike something that is forgotten, you know, a day later, these challenges are actually coming up with ideas that actually make changes that are effective for either increasing revenue or lowering cost. Now, for those of you who are not on the accounting side, you know, gross margin basically says, hey, whatever revenue you make, less what it costs you to make that revenue, that's your gross margin. And and that's a, an important statistic that um, senior leaders look at. The, the, the higher the gross margin, the better the company is doing being more effective at getting sales and, and getting revenue at at cost structures that are reasonable, that generates, you know, profits for uh, for its shareholders. So gross margin is an important thing, but, but you know, maybe maybe a middle of accounting clerk knows what gross margin is. I mean, they're probably an accounting major, but somebody who's a uh, an entry level customer support person or some you know somebody who uh, is a you know a, a programmer developer or uh, you know maybe somebody who does implementation, somebody that does sales or relationship management, they may not be that focused on this concept of of gross margin. And and one group that doesn't really seem to be thought of at all in gross margin is the HR department, right? So I think a lot of senior managers look at HR professionals as as an important part of the of the C-suite, but really only for the purposes of go hire this person for me, keep me out of a lawsuit, deal with these rules and regs and compliance and, you know, make sure that we don't have any issues there. It's very tactical. It just seems very tactical as I've looked at how most, let's say, CEOs who are in most cases men, how they view the senior VP of HR, uh, who are almost exclusively women. And when I look at it and I'm like, you know, with very few exceptions over my 40 year professional career, there was never really a, this was not a sexist issue. This was not a, a male chauvinist, you know, uh, Neanderthal CEO, you know, dealing inappropriately with a with a, a woman employee. It was the fact that they didn't value the HR department in the same way that they did sales or, you know, programming if you were a computer programming shop, you know, manufacturing, that you know, even accounting and and other, you know, general administrative stuff were all deemed to be sort of more important than HR. Uh, and I've seen this over and over and over again. I've, I've worked with with literally hundreds of financial institutions and companies that serve them. And I've seen this play out over time. It's not sexist. It's we don't value the HR department. When we get around to th- thinking about things that are important to us, such as gross margin, we don't go to the HR department and say, how do you help us improve gross margin? Right. I go to I go to sales and say, you guys need to raise more revenue. I go to operations, say, you guys need to get more efficient about how you install these these, uh, machines or new customers. But I don't go to the HR department to raise gross margin. And I think this, this whole thing is sort of galvanizing for me that HR departments legitimately have these functions that they have to do. Yes, they hire and and are involved in in terminating employees and doing all of these amazing things that these professionals do to keep companies out of hot water with rules and regs and compliance. And oftentimes they're the bearer of bad news for folks. And so legitimately when it's when it's time to think about employee engagement, when it's time to, you know, figure out how they're going to get people really feeling good about their company and collaborating together and all that. They're looking for some type of of solution. They're looking for an event. You know, they're looking for uh, a speaker or they're looking for uh, uh, an activity, an exercise that kind of brings everybody together. And it needs to be fun. You know, it needs to be something that's fun. It needs to be something that actually engages them, you know, together and, and brings about this esprit de corps. 
But really, from what I've seen out there of the kinds of things that they're doing, none of those really have really much of a long-term benefit. So outside of the fact that you're bringing them together, outside that they appreciate, employees appreciate the fact that the HR group would have put this together, there's no other benefit. There's no other thing that's going to happen that changes what somebody does if they uh, do a typical exercise on Friday and, and what they're doing in their job on Monday. So one of the things that um, that I want to encourage, if you if you are an HR professional or if you work in a company and you um, you, you know you you feel like that your HR organization maybe could do some different things, I encourage you to turn this podcast on to them. This particular episode. And here's what my advice is. So I'm going to speak now uh, directly to HR professionals. So if you're an HR professional, you're probably a female. Uh, you might be a solo uh, where you are the whole HR department. You may have multiple people working for you. Uh, you are um, unsung and almost certainly unappreciated in your company. And um, I think that there's an opportunity for you to take the legitimate business activities that you need to do, particularly as it relates to teamworking and collaboration, and think about it in terms of what if our company, whatever your company is, what if our company was doing innovation challenges just like this member-driven technologies company up in Michigan? What if we started doing that on a on a semi-annual basis, you know, and we 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 did a little innovation workshop and got people thinking about innovation. And then uh, every six months we hold a challenge and in the challenge, we set some parameters about how much money uh, each of these challenges could potentially cost. But there's a structure around the challenge where uh, people who come up with an idea have to form a cross-functional team, has to be at least three people on a team, no more than five has to come from different parts of the companies. One person from sales can't get four of their other sales peeps together and you know come up with an idea. They got to go find somebody from accounting, somebody from development, somebody from implementations, whatever. Form, form a cross-functional team. That gets them to work together. They have to develop their idea. And then ultimately, they present their idea to a panel of independent judges. And there's a scoring mechanism where those ideas are scored based on their efficacy. They're, they have to a answer questions you know, about their idea, the number of positive things that come from this. First of all, it's not a one-hour exercise and it's done. It's something that they're spending 10 or 15 minutes on, you know, a few days a week over, you know, over a couple of months to collaborate and work on this idea. They may come in a little early and, and three or four or five of them are meeting. They may decide to meet at lunch. But moreover, you may actually allocate time. You say, look, you know, uh, we keep track of time here. So we're going to give you, you know, these many hours each week. If you form a develop uh, an innovation team, here's the, the hours we're going to allocate for you, for you to go work on your ideas. So, so think of what you're doing. You're, you're not only encouraging to do the ideas, you're removing the discouragement, i.e. I have to keep track of every hour of my time. And this is an important point because I, I worked with a company uh, years ago that the accounting department refused to allow people to participate in innovation challenges uh, without penalizing them for the hours that they spent on it. And, and again, it's so discouraging and, and all of the innovation uh, challenges just went to nowhere uh, in that company because, because they were specifically disincenting people to participate on teams. So don't do that. So don't do that. So again, that's where you might, as an HR professional, collaborate with the accounting and, you know, talk to your CEO, talk to the uh, CFO ahead of time and say, look, uh, this is something that's going to be very positive. And the ultimate goal is not just about team building. It's not just about collaboration. 
It's not just about how we kind of keep people with some some corporate identity through work at home and, and remote uh, working and in all these Zoom and go to meeting and, and ring central sessions. It's about improving the gross margin. And, and I guarantee you this, if you as the HR professional walk in the CEO, CFO's office and say, hey, I've got an idea that will improve gross margin. And at the same time, it solves some of my issues about trying to do team, you know, team building and, and collaboration. You'll get some eyebrows raised. You'll get, oh, oh yeah, let's, let's talk about this. And again, I encourage you not to just haphazardly go do this. Think it through. I've got a lot of materials that I can provide for you that would give you the, the way to actually create and present these uh, ideas to senior leadership. And I can also assist you in doing in in, in running the entire uh, the entire challenge uh, program. So when I started working with member driven technologies, I went up there. I did all the workshops. Uh, I ran all of the initial uh, challenges. And now, as they've continued to do it, I still uh, assist them primarily in being sort of like a coach for each one of the teams. Get me as a as a professional idea and presentation coach to really help them. Uh, and again, I, I, you know, I, I charge uh, for my services. So, so here's MDT. Now think about this. Not only are they encouraging innovation, not only are they allowing time for their uh, employees to get together and now virtually and come up with these ideas and, and develop them, but they're they're spending money to get me to help these teams make their ideas better, to improve their presentations, to to coach them. And again, I'm a I'm an independent, interested third party. So if one of the senior leaders, you know, uh, went to look at their presentation and maybe had a comment on it that was deemed critical, now it's like, oh, well, that was the CEO and he just said we shouldn't we shouldn't do that. So by having somebody like me do it, I can give them some, you know, some critique on their presentation, suggest ideas. Hey, have you guys thought about this? I can I can really work with them and help them with their presentations. And there's no connotations of anything related to somebody more senior in the business. And again, you have to think through those things. How do you make sure that this is so positive, so beneficial, that the ideas that that make a certain score actually then get gated into, into action, that, that you put them in play? And so people see, wait a minute, this company is serious. My HR department is serious about innovation. And we did this whole thing and man, it was fun. We had fun doing it. But now we're now we're in another one. And somebody who had never had participated on a team sees this other stuff happening. Oh, well, it looks like those folks had fun. They hear at the water cooler, you know, or on a on a Slack message, they hear somebody talking about how much they enjoyed um participating in the innovation challenge. So when the next one comes up, that next half year tranche of innovation challenge options, maybe they join a team and then maybe they join another team the next time. And then maybe they come up with another idea. Uh, This is something that now uh, I think it's the MDT is in their third year and their senior executives talk about the changes that they've seen and the skills that are coming out of people that they never would have guessed would have those kinds of skills and abilities. So they're they're drawing people out. They're encouraging people to work together. They're improving people's presentation skills. And they're more, more importantly, getting everyone at every level of the company to be thinking about innovation ideas. They've encouraged it. They've removed all the barriers that discourage it. They're putting money where their mouth is to make sure that those teams have the resources that they need. 
And at the end of the day, if you're an HR professional and you're, you know, if you're interested in this, you know, the cost of this is not significantly more than any other activity that you you go hire a speaker or you, you know, put together uh, some stuff and, and, you know, there's a budget for that and so forth. Uh, this isn't going to cost you anything, any significant more than other things that you might do. But what it does is it has more long lasting benefits and it has the opportunity to move the gross margin needle. So I want to just kind of uh, tee up that I'm working on a new website and it's going to be www.creativity2innovation.com. So that's creativity, the number two innovation or creativity, T-O innovation.com. And so all of the materials and stuff that I have out on different parts of my social media presence that deal with this whole idea of creativity and innovation, including links to this podcast and, and a lot of other materials are all going to now get cultivated and, and set up on uh, creativity to innovation.com. I'll have information out there when that thing is launched, but you might be listening to this podcast, you know, who knows, uh, a year after I, I've actually, you know, created it. So go out right now and, and go to creativity to innovation.com and information out there, uh, particularly if you're an HR professional and you're looking to get more information about how these innovation workshops and challenges would work for you that will be out there for you to view. If you're listening to this more contemporaneously, it should be, you know, in the next in the next four to six weeks, uh, we should probably have the first version of that website out. And then one of the other things that I'm doing is creating a self-paced course for individuals who want to get more creative and figure out and learn how to convert creative ideas into innovations that actually would improve, you know, maybe they're a solopreneurs, maybe they're a mid-level accounting clerk and their company isn't doing anything with innovation, but they decide that they want to get more innovative and I'm going to have resources for individuals to be able to do that. And so when you first come into the site, you'll see, you know, are you an HR professional or a corporate, you know, do you, are you interested in corporate activities or are you an individual and interested in individuals? So if you're an individual, you click on that and then it will take you through and share with you about how you might uh, directly benefit with the online course. I think people that I've talked to about this uh, individual coursework are, are excited because there are people who think about career development and yet don't really have an outlet. You know, I, I don't know where you can go to tech school or, you know, what, what's the, you know, what's the continuing education options just for trying to be able to come up with creative ideas and more importantly, know how within a corporate environment to get those ideas heard. And that's exactly the kind of instruction that I'm going to do in that coursework, how to get more creative how to turn creativity into innovation. They're not the same thing. I've talked about that in an earlier podcast. And how to get innovative ideas heard, how to get them listened to. It doesn't mean that they'll get acted on. That's a whole other separate matter. But most of the people that I talk with that are lower in companies that are not in a position to make something happen, their biggest complaint is that they are not listened to. They are not heard. They're not taken seriously when they come up with ideas. And, and that's, it just breaks my heart to hear that. So a little bit of a, a hodgepodge of information on uh, this podcast. But again, ultimately, all of this will get crystallized on creativitytoinnovation.com. And as always, I look forward to hearing from you and I hope that you have an incredible, innovative day, week, month. Don't be afraid to get creative. Don't ever think that your ideas are not worth anything. Don't ever believe that some small, tiny innovation isn't worth doing. Get to it. 
Thanks again for investing your valuable time listening to the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. I covet your questions, comments, or critique. You can reach me at david at davidpeterson.com. I'm also on Facebook at DP Speaks and everywhere else on social media at DLP Speaks. I look forward to hearing from you and be sure to look for a new episode soon.